Welcome to the SCG Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for our weekend services in person in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our service live online at scgchurch.org or live on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Thanks for listening. So last week, um, we had a really good talk. Cody gave a great talk, and it, it was about, some people misunderstood what it was about. Uh, they thought it was about not moving, telling people not to move. And it was exactly the opposite. It was telling you to move. As soon as God tells you, you should move. Not before and not later, but when God tells you. His point was that we need to seek God about our actions, about everything we're doing. And um, it was really not so much about you not moving. It was about the fact that we are moving, that we are moving in ministry into, we think, a more specific, a more, um, maybe more intentional way in the society we're living as culture is changing around us. And if you, if you doubt that, you just haven't really, um, I don't know, been alive. I don't know. But uh, the culture is changing. And we, we, uh, the message is the same. Jesus is still the answer. How we communicate the message, what people's felt needs are, are different. And we are trying to um, uh, make sure that we're speaking in a way that people can understand us. So uh, his, his talk was taken from Jeremiah 29. And actually, I was taking notes last week. And, and I honestly, goodness, wrote on top of this, brilliant. This is just a brilliant sermon. So if you, haven't, if you didn't hear last week, you need to, you need to, you need to go listen to it because it was brilliant about where we're going and who we are. Uh, I, of course, later, having written down brilliant, I asked him who's, who he stole it from, um, <laughs> but it was his own. So Jeremiah 29, 4 through 14. And let me read this for you. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you prosper, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you have encouraged them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are complete before Babylon, uh, completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And here's my favorite part, and he didn't get to this part, this is my favorite part right here. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have vanished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile. So just remember that the setting of this is that, that Babylon has overthrown uh, Jerusalem, overrun it, captured a whole bunch of the people, hauled them off to Babylon. They're there. Some of their prophets from back in they're holy guys, prophets, like supposedly. Uh, back in Jerusalem, we're sending letters and stuff to Babylon saying, hey, you're only going to be there a couple of years. Don't worry about it, a few months. This is a temporary thing. You're coming home. And um, Jeremiah uh, says, um, no, that's not, a, that's not it at all. As a matter of fact, you, uh, you're going to be there a long time, 70 years. And so you better kind of react in the right kind of way. And so the instruction from God through Jeremiah is that um, you need to do three things. And I'll just kind of uh, summarize this quickly, uh, just uh, because Cody talked about last week. Verses four through five, he says, dig in. 
Dig in. God's not going to extricate you from this situation. Dig in. You're going to be there. You better plant some gardens. Uh, and by the way, when it says give your daughters and sons in marriage, it was to other Jews. It wasn't to, um, to the Babylonians. Uh, and then it says, while you're there, do good. In verse 7, it says, do good. Uh, work hard. Uh, pray that the city will prosper because as the city prospers, you can prosper too. Uh, do good. Now, here's an interesting thing. Um, we oftentimes, we are so kind of, uh, so um, preoccupied with our own comfort uh, or the lack thereof that we find ourselves oftentimes just worrying about that and, and forgetting that there might be something else going on. And so when he says do good or pray for the, uh, the, the peace and the prosperity of the city because you also will prosper, he's kind of giving them a different kind of thing. I get a phone call. I, I've had several, several conversations actually. Maybe I should just summarize all of them. Uh, about uh, about um, what's happening in the world, the terrible war that's happening in Ukraine, um, the world condition, whatever. Uh, and, and those of you who have been around uh, Protestant churches for very long, you are familiar with the, the phrase, the end times. And the Bible teaches that Jesus will come back. The, 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 the world as we know it will end. And then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And um, as Christians, we get to be a part of that. So, uh, so I've gotten some inquiries recently that do you think these are eschatological, meaning end-time events that are happening right now? In other words, are the political things kind of lining up where, you know, the United States and Israel kind of one side, and you've got, you've got Russia and China and a whole bunch of people on the other side, and could it end up being World War III? Could it be the end of times? So these kind of discussions. And actually, they recommended me a, a couple of speakers, pastors who've done a lot of study on this, and I watched them, and they're interesting. And um, and, and I said, well, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I, I kind of remember somewhere reading that we wouldn't know the day or the hour when Jesus would come, but, you know, it's fun to kind of speculate a little bit. It's okay to look. And, and I, said, um, I said, so what is this? We had this conversation. So I said, I don't know. What, what does this mean? And, and so one of these people said to me, a really interesting thing, said, well, you know, it's really the end of the time. I probably ought to not do what I was thinking about. Well, what do you think about? Well, I was thinking about bailing out and just going relaxing somewhere, but really, if the world's ending, I probably ought to stay here and tell people about Jesus. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't you stay here and tell people about Jesus anyway? <laughs> right? Here, here's the point. The, the, uh, by the way, I saw a t-shirt. Um, uh, Normal's not coming back. Jesus is. So, okay, okay. All right. Um, uh, so, hey, so this whole idea of that, the, the, Cody kind of titled the talk last week a little bit, uh, love where you live. And it's not love where you live, it's love wherever you live, <laughs> wherever you are, be who God called you to be. Be that person of love, that in love with God and loves others, no matter where you are, whether you're in, in exile in, in Babylon or you're a, a crummy job that you kind of like to get out of, what, whatever it is, wherever you are, God has a mission for you until he releases you to go somewhere else. And that's what last week was about is when to know when God releases you. So the first one is dig in. The second one is do good. Do good wherever you are. And the third one is don't listen to the propaganda. Now this one I could do a month-long series on that given the day and the hour we live in. Don't listen to propaganda. So here is what is happening. So there's these false prophets telling the people what they want to hear. Oh, you're going to be out of there in a couple of months. Don't worry about it. Don't get settled in. No, no, no. It's a, here's an interesting phrase. It's a really interesting phrase that, that you may not have noticed when I read it a moment ago because I was probably reading fairly fast. These false prophets are having, says, don't listen to the dreams you encouraged them to have. What? 
See, these guys are claiming to hear from God and have a word from God, but they're having the dreams that the people were encouraging them to have. Here's part of here's an issue. I just, I, let's just let's just do a, a little experiment here. How often in the last week have you listened to anyone who disagrees with you? Because here's what we have done. We have algorithms set us up and all this kind of stuff. It's easy to do these days. We only talk to, listen to, involve ourselves with those who agree with us. We silo. We're in these silos, right? And the truth is we live in a world in which we don't even know who to believe. Do you believe that channel? Or do you believe that channel? Do you believe this source? Do you believe this source? Right? Finding truth, real truth, is, I think, for many of us, a difficult thing. And yet, we've been promised that of all the issues that really matter, we can find the true answers right here. Everything else is just propaganda. It is just spin. It is just somebody's narrative. Everything from what's happening in the political world to how to best live your life. We are told all kinds of things, but they're not true necessarily. As a matter of fact, we actually, so, so, so being someone who, I, I don't watch the news anymore. I just don't. I don't know who to believe. All right? I try to pick up on what's happening in the world here and there, but I just I don't know who to believe, okay? But here's what's really interesting. And, we, and many of you would share that sentiment, bemoaning the fact that so many of our sources of information are, are tainted by uh, their own subjectivity or whatever, or worse yet, are misleading us on purpose. And, but here's what's interesting. Did it ever dawn on you that we get what we deserve? We get what we ask for? If we stop monetizing false news sources, what would happen? Are, yeah? No? Are you afraid to nod? We're not videoing you. It's me. I'm getting video. You're not getting videoed. <laughs> Nobody's going to discover that you actually agreed. So here's an interesting thing. It says, you keep listening to the dreams you've encouraged them to have. They're just telling you what you want to hear. But do you know, we don't ever grow when people just tell us what we want to hear. You need people who help you see yourself in a way that is more accurate, more objective. It is different. Let me, let me, let me point out a couple things. Um, in, in, uh, it, with Moses, comes out from the mountain, they're worshiping a golden calf. Aaron, why did you make Because that's what the people wanted. The truth is, we get the government we want. We get the news sources we want. We get what we want. What we need is to want something better. What we need is to want something more. What we need is to want truth and objectivity and God's promises, not more spin, not more propaganda, if nothing else in this life, as a Christian, we need to reject violently, okay, not violently, vehemently, reject. I know violently is a new thing. I don't want to slap anybody or anything. So, <laughs> told myself I wouldn't do that, but now I'm going to have to slap myself later. Okay, so, in Second, Second Timothy 4, Paul is telling this young minister, this young pastor, Timothy, how to do ministry. And, and I think it's really important. Listen to this. He says, In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Here it is. 
For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. We have a whole bunch of people in this country just hearing what they want to hear. But nobody wants to talk about the truth. As a matter of fact, there may be a day in this country, if we're not careful, we'll be illegal to tell the truth. We need to make sure as Christians, we are seekers after truth, not after comfort. Comfort can lead you astray. And so a part of what Jeremiah is saying to these exiled Jews is, it's not going to be comfortable. (laughs) It'll be profitable in the end for the kingdom, but it won't be comfortable. We are not called to lives of comfort. So dig in, do good, don't listen to the propaganda. So what do we do? Meanwhile, while we're saying, okay, all right, I got that. What do we do? So starting in verse 10, we need to do this, these three things. Remember his promises. Remember his promises. They reveal his character, his priorities, his disposition toward us. Um, so here's the deal. This is a, I asked Cody why he didn't do verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 uh, is one of the most famous passages in, in Scripture. I've memorized it. I, I recommend you memorize it. We'll hit that right now on verse 10, but verse 11. And he said, because it's so misused. But the reality is, is that God is God. And the same God who made that promise to them has the same intention toward you. And as we learn promises, we learn about that God. And as we learn God's promises, we know how God wants us to behave, who God wants us to be, and what he promises to do for us and in us. We need to live according to God's promises. The problem is promises are, are always future-oriented. When God's promised me... So there is a, a phrase back in the day that you say, oh, Christians, they just live for pie in the sky meaning heaven, right? That it's all out there someday. But here's what's interesting about that. It is true. Ultimate uh, results of Christianity don't come until this life is over for us. The, the, the ultimate results. But other results do come. So here's what I realized. That I can either, uh, you know, I can say, okay, yeah, faith, it's all future stuff. I'll get around to whatever. But at, at the age I am, which is, I'm over 50 now. <laughs> at the age I am, I realized that my entire life has been built based upon believing or not believing his promises. And how how many of you know that if you build a life believing his promises, you build a different life than you would build if you didn't believe his promises? I've looked at my friends and I've seen people my age and some are, some are already gone and, and I see where their lives ended up and I'm going, how did you end up there? We started, we started here together. You're there. I'm there. And it's no credit to me. It's because I believed a different narrative, a different set of promises. They believed they made more money, climbed the ladder, whatever it was, no matter what happened relationally, they would be happy in the end. I believed that I needed to do life God's way. And as imperfectly as I pursued that, I still at least pursued that. You see, it's the promises. You, who gives you the better promises? I have, I have, with the best of my ability, most of the time, and with God's help all of the time, I have kind of built my life on his promises. And I have never regretted it, not once. I have never regretted it. There's a lot of things I said no to, but I have never, and there's some really tough things I've said yes to, but I've never once regretted building my life on these promises because this set of promises has a payoff. And even if it wasn't for heaven, I still like where my life ended up. I still like what I get to do. I've helped feed children in Africa. 
I've helped build orphanages in India. I've done some pretty fun stuff because I stood on these promises, right? These promises lead you to a different place. So you're sitting here today, whose promises do you believe in? You believe in promises? The problem with these promises, they're kind of long-term kind of deals. This promise says, yeah, but you're going to have fun tonight. Or you're going you're gonna to climb that, you're going to climb by 40, you can retire and it's all going to be good. Whose promises are you believing? What he reminds, Jeremiah reminds the Jews is, build your life on God's promises. I, 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 as I was writing this, I was, I was thinking about as a kid, we used to sing this hymn. And I, and I got the words because I couldn't remember all of them. It's actually written in 1886 by a military slash uh, a scholar kind of guy who was a Christian. And, it, and here's the first uh, verse of this. Standing on the promises of Christ my King through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Here's the verse, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Let me, let me read uh, stanza three. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. And then the last verse, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing of God. What? Somebody knew it back there. They even got the tune right. Good job. I couldn't remember the whole tune. I looked, so, so we did that. Okay, you can stop singing now. Wow. So I was thinking about that chorus that was written so long ago and a hymn that was written so long ago, but the truth is just as real today as it was for the Jews in Babylon. Am I going to build my life on his promises or on somebody else's promises? On the false narrative that the false prophets were trying to teach. So um, let me just kind of point out one, one more thing about this. Um, as I stand on the promises of God, I not only build a life, more importantly, I, I build a person, me. I build a person of character. Because in standing on his promises and not reaching for every urge and every desire and false narrative, as I stand on those promises, I am becoming. Recently, a young man said to me, he said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this and this and this. It's about ministry stuff. And, 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 I'm, and, I was, and I, every young person does it. And I said, can I just tell you something? Slow down on the, what you're going to do and figure out what you're going to be. Who are you going to be? Because until you become someone, you have nothing to do in terms of sharing it with others. It, the, the, the do part will take care of itself. The being part is what comes first. And in this process of standing on the promises year after year and looking forward, you become more like Jesus. You become more caring. You begin to see the world differently. And it's in who you're becoming. Why would God leave the children of Israel stuck in Babylon for a whole generation? because they needed to become. You see, back in Jerusalem, they had been comfortable, but they weren't going to. By the way, when it says, at the end of this, it says, go and seek me or go and worship, that is because they weren't going even to the temple, which is right there in Jerusalem. Now they're going to get us back to Jerusalem. We'll be really good, good God followers. Well, you weren't then. Why would you be now? I'm going to leave you out here because that's where you're going to become. Oftentimes, the becoming happens in the difficult situations, as Amy said today, not the easy ones. So, um, let, me, let me just give you one more thought about this. God plays the long game. 
To be a Christian, you have to take the long view. And one of the ways that you can figure out which is the false narrative is the one who gives you immediate gratification. If it's offering you immediate gratification or even short-term payout, it's a bad investment. Don't go there. But if it looks like it's going to be hard and kind of difficult, but there's a payout somewhere out there, God takes a long-term view. Connie and I, when we started down in Seacoast, we made a commitment of 20 years. We would, we would stay no less, because in, in the denomination I came from, pastors moved every two years. And we said, no, we're going to stay 20 years, unheard of. By the way, we made the commitment to each other because there was nobody else there to make it to. But um, the reality is, think about this. Let's just think about this. Immediate gratification is going to feel good. It's going to be great. You're a big payoff. You're going to get rich and famous. Long-term view. Anything worth doing is going to take a building a strong marriage. Ooh. We're still working on it. We're getting better. Growing kids. I'm really working on that one, especially with one of them. Pray for me. <laughs> um, developing character. See, these are all long, long time deals. And so when Jeremiah says 70 years, he's saying it's going to take a long time. And what he's really saying is for some of you, it's such long term that some of you won't even make it back to Jerusalem. But you've got to care enough about the kingdom and about those that you love that you will plant trees that they will experience the shade from, not you. Long There are going to be some die in Babylon. But do they truly care about their loved ones, their children, their grandchildren who can return back to worship in Jerusalem enough to live it out all this time? Or are they going to go for something quick and easy and immediate gratification? Does that make sense? Guys, no. Okay. I thought that was pretty good stuff. Um, so, um, so remember his promises. Trust his plan. I, I got to hurry up here. Trust his plan in verse 11. Um, for I know the plans I have for you. By the way, we can't take this verse as a promise to us. This was a promise to the people, uh, the Jews living in Babylon. But it is from the same God who has the same character and the same intention toward us. So I'm not sure what the, the controversy here is about this verse. The reality is God cares for you just like you care for them. Wants for you just what he had for them. And so God does not want to harm you. God wants, and the word prosper is an unusual word here. Uh, prosper is not, it's actually the word shalom which means a whole lot of things. It means, it, it means wholeness, completeness, wellness. But there, if you keep reading the definitions of shalom in the Hebrew, you'll find this one. And I think it is the most appropriate word here for the word prosper. Because people think, oh, he's going to prosper. It means he's going to make me rich. And well, I'll tell the apostle Paul that because he wrote most of the New Testament in chains, okay? So that doesn't really work so much, okay? What, what he means is he wrote shalom. And there is this one meaning of, of shalom that says you will come to the right end. In other words, God will ordain. He will ensure the right outcomes for your life. Think about, you think about John the Baptist. He's in prison. He's about to lose his head over this whole thing, literally. And he goes, uh, go ask Jesus, is this the real deal? <laughs> and imagine shalom. The price I'm about to pay will be worth it. See, these parents for 70 years in Babylon kind of keeping the culture at bay, marrying their kids off and, and encouraging them and growing them, and they're going, but the payoff, I won't get back to Jerusalem, but the payoff will be worth it for my children and my people and the kingdom of God. 
Remember that God's plan is bigger than your plan. God's plan is a long view plan. It is a powerful plan and it is not just for immediate gratification. Um, Unfortunately, there was a a phrase back in the day and kind of became the butt of a joke and it was Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. And I think somebody put that in as some kind of formal witnessing thing. But the truth is, what an amazing thing. So remember his promises, trust his plan and then pray his prayers. In verse 12, he talks about praying his prayers. Let me read that for you. Um, Then you you will call on me and come to me. That's the thing where they didn't go to the temple. That's kind of a little shot there. And come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Um, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. So there needs to be a change in the way the Jews were thinking and I think the way they were thinking. If I were to, I don't want to embarrass you, but I've thought of my own experience and it's a little embarrassing. How much of my prayers are trying to convince God to do what I want him to do? Think of the absurdity of that, by the way. Here's Almighty God who created me, who knows what's best for me and everyone else and where the world needs to go and what's going to be the most fulfilling and happiest thing I can experience in my life. And yet I'm trying to dictate to him what it should look like. How foolish is that? Here's a part of what needs to happen. We, we don't go to prayer to change God's mind. We go to prayer to know God, right? Because the more I know him, the more I can trust him, the more I can live according to his plan because I trust him more every single day. We go to prayer to know God, to praise and to worship. And then not to change God's mind, but to have God change our mind. If I spend all of my time doing the vending machine version of prayer, God, I'm put a couple minutes in here so you need to give me some we're going to miss what God really has for us. Israelites, they want, to, they want what they always want. Oh, God, get us out of this. It's really uncomfortable. Get us out of this uncomfortable Babylon. It's just that the sheets are harsh. What if they just said, okay, God, we're here. You know that we don't want to be here, but somehow you've let us be here. What needs to happen? You ever find yourself in a situation that just sucks? It just does. And you just want to go, God... What if you just went, God, help me know what I'm supposed to be and do here. What am I supposed to learn? Who am I supposed to touch? I got really bad news for you. It may not be about you at all. You might be there for somebody else. You might be experiencing that pain because somebody else needs you there with them. But God's kingdom is always better. God's plan is always better. And so even in our prayer, can I challenge you something? Uh, and so I do this in my prayers. I write my prayers because I, I just get too distracted too easily. So I write my prayers. And I always went, Lord, I want, Lord, you are. And then I do the whole thing about who God is and, and what I read in scripture and praising God and honoring God and thanking God. And then, uh, and the, can I just, once you get to that point, and I'm, I'm making an assumption here that you do prayers because that's an important part of our faith, right? And I'm not talking about bless this food kind of thing. I'm talking about actually sitting down and talk to God. If you're not doing that, you need to start doing that. What if you just pause after the prayer, uh, the praise and the adoration part, and you just said, God, what do you want me to pray about today? I guarantee it won't be you. I guarantee it'll be someone you know who's hurting. It, not that God doesn't want you to talk about your stuff. It's just, let's put it in priority here. Let's put it down here where it belongs. 
By the way, I look at my prayers and I look at the paragraphs and I get, and, and there are some days when I'm really, I'm really praying, I think the prayers that he wants me to pray where there's big adoration, there's big thanksgiving, there's big, big petitionary prayers for other people, friends who have lost spouses and, and, and stuff. And then at the bottom, where I started out with this big list I was going to talk to God about, now it doesn't seem like it's... It's just a couple things. I just need your help on a couple things, God. We have become so individualistic and self-absorbed. What if you just ask God? You know, he said, this is how you should pray. And then he gave us what we call the Lord's Prayer, which I believe is to be prayed word for word and is also to be a pattern for prayer. What if we said, God, what are your prayers that I should be praying? See, what if the change for Israel was when they stopped kind of, uh, there's a great phrase in scripture I love, kicking against the goads. They stopped rebelling and squirming and we hate Babylon. And they just said, okay, God, what is it we should be desiring? What is it we should be wanting from you? What is it we need to be learning right now? What is the contribution we're supposed to be making where we are? We begin to do that, and God will begin to open our eyes and show us the opportunities he's given us. Let me give you three things, and I'm going to finish with this. These are the ones that Cody finished with last week, and I just want to reinforce them quickly. He said you should do three things. One is to get involved around here. You want to be a part of this movement to make a difference in our world, this kind of fresh vision that we believe God is giving us. We want you to be involved. I love that you've signed up for Rooted. I love that you're in a, in a, in a group, in a, in a, a class or whatever. Sign, there's stuff happening every night of the week here. Sign up, get involved. Second thing is not only get involved, but begin to invest. Getting involved is good, but here's the difference between involvement and investment. Involvement, it, I just encourage you to get involved because it'll be good for you. Investing is moving beyond what is good for you, but what is good for the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Getting, if I get to know a few people, you're going to grow in your faith. That's good. That's involvement. Investment is when you care more about, about other people than you do your own time or your own money. You start investing. You see, involvement should always be followed up by volunteerism, by increased giving financially, because now you're beginning to take on the heart of Christ. For God's love of the world that he gave. When you move beyond involvement to investment, you start giving in whatever way God calls you to, whether it's tithing, it's volunteer time. And I have a friend, his name is uh, Doug. He died last week, two weeks ago. And, uh, and, and you probably wouldn't know Doug. He sat right back here. And Doug's been coming to church for many, many years. He's a good old Midwest boy. I've, I've known his wife since she was a teenager and, and uh, I've known Doug a long time. And uh, Doug, about my age, sat right back here. And he always come down and say something nice to me after church. And, and uh, uh, so I started mentioning that, that we lost him, and it was kind of shocking. And, and, and there was, you mean Doug, the guy that smiles at the kids and greets them? And that Doug, are you kidding me? And it was so weird. I didn't know anybody else knew Doug but me. I thought I was the only one who knew Doug in the congregation. And here's Doug, who's been out in the children's building. I just saw him walking out two weeks ago, and I waved at him. And he greets the kids, and he greets the parents. He's just this big, happy farmer guy, and, and just smiling. And I said, there's a guy who did more than just show up. He invested. I can't tell you how many people say, I can't believe it. The guy that always says hi to me, I can't believe it. What, a, what an investment. It wasn't a huge investment. It was a meaningful investment. See, when you move beyond involvement to investment, then you're starting to care beyond yourself. God was trying to get the Israelites, the Jews, to care beyond more than their comfort in themselves, to see a bigger picture, something that they could contribute to that could bring real change in the world and in the history of the world. 
Last thing that Cody talked about was invite someone, invite someone into this process of knowing Jesus because it changes everything. Today, my prayer is that you will figure out what your next step is. I'll give you a whole, I gave you a whole bunch there. Pick one of them. Take your next step and, and, and get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off your comfort and start saying, God, what is it you want in my life? Because you know better. You really do know better. And not only involve yourself, but invest yourself in something that matters for eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you loved us enough to not only invite us to a relationship with you, that you came and you died on a cross so that we could be forgiven, but you painted a different kind of future for us. The promises that you have made end in eternity with you, a life that has meaning and significance, a life that has an impact, a positive impact on the world in which we live, not a life filled with selfishness and seeking comfort. Lord God, I pray that today maybe someone in this room would catch a a fresh vision that your promises are the ones that matter, your promises are true, and that whether they're in a difficult situation living in Babylon or somewhere else, that what you say matters more than what they feel or what the false narrative would promise. Lord God, today we need to take serious our faith. We need to take serious the opportunity to know you and to serve you. And as we do that, Lord God, I know that our life will be filled with joy, with meaning, with purpose, with your love and your peace. And we will truly, in the biblical sense, prosper. Lord God, help us turn our eyes toward you and step into this moment and join you in this incredible work that you are doing on this earth. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you'd like prayer, we're going to have some folks down front. We'd love to pray with you. Have a great week. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we have live services on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings in our West Auditorium. Or you can watch live online at scgchurch.org or on our YouTube and Facebook.